0: Great job, worship team, as always. I'm so very thankful for the ministry that y'all do each and every time we meet together. And uh, you're a blessing to us. Brother Scotty, thank you for your leadership in that. Um, We are truly blessed here with people with great talent, and they use that talent for the honor and glory of the Lord. And it's such a blessing to be a part of that. How powerful it is to be singing praises with God's people in God's place. Amen. His presence um, speaks to hearts and changes lives. And that's what I've experienced this morning. I know the Lord has already begun speaking through our through our worship service. I'm so very thankful for that. Take your Bibles today and turn with me, please, over to Second Samuel, chapter number eleven. 2 Samuel, chapter eleven. Many years ago, when it was uh, the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. I went and got a job out of our local grocery store as a bag boy, and um, I was working there one summer evening, and it had just came one of those summer showers like we've been experiencing all week. Y'all know how it does in the summertime. It'll stay hot all day, and then usually in the evening, there's a good chance you'll get a, 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 a rain, a storm of some kind, and so that's what had happened that day, and it had soaked the parking lot pretty good and y'all know the uh out at cash saver that's the growth it wasn't cash saver then i think it was jitney Jungle then that's been a long time ago but it's that same place and it's on a hill and you know how when cars park in those parking places all the fluids from cars sometimes leak in the parking place there'll be oil and uh, antifreeze there's all kind of stuff there on the pavement already and then you add to that you know, water from the rainstorm that had just taken place, and it makes it very slippery, very slippery. And so I was out there one day putting some uh, groceries in a, in a customer's car, and I had just finished up, and I turned to walk back down to the store, and when I turned back going to the store, I looked to my left, and there's this lady just fixing to get into her car. And she begins to, to open the door, and she starts to step one leg in, and she plants her left foot, and starts to raise up her right foot. And when she raised up her right foot, her left leg slipped out from under her, and it went right under the car, and she fell flat down on her back. And her right leg was hung up in what looked like the the steering wheel. And when I saw that, I ran over there to her, and I said about the most intelligent thing I could think of. I said, ma'am, did you fall? (laughs) And I'll never forget it. She looked up at me with just this blank stare, blank look. If looks could have killed, I'd have been a dead man. And she said, no, son, i always get my car like this. <laughs> <laughs> and so when she said that, I just busted out laughing. And then she started laughing. And I tried to get her up. both mother was just dying laughing, trying to help her back in the car. But everything worked out. And even though we laughed there that day, how I many of you know falling ain't funny? There's nothing falling about funny. I mean, I, there's nothing funny, excuse me, about falling. Even though we had a good laugh. Um, could have been very serious for her. Could have hurt her really bad. But um, I, I learned that truth personally just about a year and a half ago. I was, me and Brother Shane Cook was on a work trip down in uh, Birmingham. We were working between Birmingham and Tuscaloosa on Highway 59. And uh, we were staying in Birmingham at the time. And so we stayed at Briarworks. Works. State Park. I don't know if any of you know where that's at, but they've got several cabins down there. They allowed us to stay in them. And the cabins were split level. You had uh, the level up top were actually where you you slept at, had the beds, had two beds up there. And then on the bottom level, there was the uh, living area and the kitchen and the dining room. And there was about a four foot drop between the top level and the bottom level. And I was asleep in there one night got up to go to the bathroom and it's pitch dark and I'm about half asleep anyway. And um, I forgot all about that four foot drop. And so I'm walking through there and just stepped off of it. And the first thing that hit brothers and sisters was my rib cage on those stairs. And I mean, that hurt bad. And Shane heard all the commotion. And he woke up and he said, guess what? Did you fall? Now, I missed my perfect opportunity to tell him what that lady... No, brother, this is how I always go to the bathroom. You know, I, I wanted to say that, but I couldn't because it was one of those falls where it just gets solid. You know what I'm talking about? And all I could get out was this. Uh. <laughs> so I laid there for a minute, and after I laid there for a little while, I finally got my breath back. Um, I, I hollered at Shane, and I said, all right, you can laugh, man. When I said that, he just died. i laughing. And I did too. Even though sometimes we laugh at falling, there's in that case, I can promise you, there was nothing funny about falling. I mean, I I dealt with that several months later. Thought I might have broke a reel. Probably did. And it felt like it anyway. So there's nothing funny about falling physically speaking. But how do you know there's nothing funny about falling spiritually speaking either? Matter of fact, it's more dangerous to fall spiritually speaking than it is to fall physically speaking. Now, when I'm talking about falling spiritually, I'm not talking about, I hear people talk about falling from grace all the time. How do you know it is impossible for you to fall from grace? Let me tell you how I know that. I know that because you did not earn grace. Grace is a gift given to you by God, not because of how good you are, but because of how much He loves you. Grace comes as a result of not of, of who you are, but who He is. So you cannot fall from grace. If you've truly been born again, I can promise you God keeps you by His grace. The same grace that saves you is the same grace that is sufficient enough to keep you day by day. However, however, It is possible to backslide as a believer, to fall spiritually, and to be unusable in the kingdom of God. And when we fall, when we backslide, let me tell you what happens. It hinders the purpose and the plan that God has for you. And not only is it very hurtful for your ministry, for the God work that God's doing in and through you, but it's, it's very hurtful for, for, for those around you, for those closest to you, for those you love the most. And we have a perfect picture of this this morning. Right here in the Word of God with a man named David. Everybody remembers King David. And what we're going to look at today is the story of David and Bathsheba. So I'm just going to read to you these first five verses, then we'll come back and look at some more in just a minute. And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, and David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David said, inquired about the woman. And one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. Everybody pay close attention to what the Scripture is saying. And David sent messengers and took her. Now, let's go on. We'll get back to that in a minute. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. And she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. Let's pray together. Father, again, we love you. Bless the reading of your word and the preaching of your word. Lord, I can do nothing without you. These people need not hear what I have to say, but what your word says, oh Lord. Help us, Father, to see clearly and plainly just exactly what you want us to see. By your power, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's three things that I want to share with you this morning. First of all, I want to talk to you about the danger of falling. Let me make this statement. How many of you know everybody in this building this morning, everybody listening to us online this morning, has a danger of falling. You're in danger of falling. Each and every one of you. Now some people may say, wait a minute brother, I mean I've been saved for a long time. I've been faithfully serving the Lord for a long time. I don't think that I'm really going to fall. You've got to be very, very careful with that attitude. See, what I'm telling you today is everybody from the pulpit to the pew, listen to me now, you're in danger of falling. Everybody from the altar to the door, you're in danger of falling. Everybody from the ceiling to the floor, we're all in danger of falling, each and every one of us. Let me give you a great verse. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 12. Watch what this says. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 And the twelfth verse, the Apostle Paul says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he stand, take heed, lest he fall. The Apostle Paul is saying, you think you're standing. You think you're going to stand. You've got a plan to keep standing for the Lord throughout your life. But you better take heed. You better be careful. You better be watchful because you can fall. All of us. All of us can. We're all in danger of it. Let me tell you how I know it. Because David failed. He backslid spiritually. And it was very hurtful for him and for others. Now I want you to look at who failed here though. The Bible calls David the man after God's own heart. I want you to think about that just a moment. What a compliment that truly is. Coming from God Himself. You know, if I give you a compliment or you give me a compliment, how much water does that really hold? Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I, I'm, not a, I'm not against getting compliments or giving compliments, can you say me? Nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, it's good to encourage when you can encourage. It's good to be encouraged because how do you know the Lord knows there's more than enough to discourage us today. We need those who are going to lift us up and encourage us. So it's a good thing to give compliments when you can. Nothing at all wrong with that. But but hear my heart. This means so much more coming from God. Let me tell you why. Because folks, I may give you a compliment and you may give me a compliment, but the truth is, I don't really know who you are. I don't know your heart. I don't know what you do when you leave this place. I don't know why you do what you do. I don't know your motivation for what you're doing. I don't know any of that. I have a very limited knowledge of you and the truth is you have a very limited knowledge of me. Usually we see each other about what? Three, four hours a week? I don't know you truly like God knows you. You don't know me like God knows me. See, the Bible says that God is all-knowing. He's omniscient. He knows everything about everybody for all time. I want you to think about how big God is. It's amazing. God knows every deepest, darkest secret in your life. And God knows every deepest, darkest secret in my life. He knows the good points. He knows the bad points and all points in between. God knows it all about us. Just like He knew it all about David. Not only does God know everything about us, but God's with us at all times. I can't be with you at all times. I don't know what you do at home. I don't know what you do on Saturday night. All I know is what you do on Sunday morning. I don't know what you do on Tuesday night. All I know is what you do on Sunday morning, Wednesday night. So what I'm trying to say is, I cannot know you fully. You can't know me fully. I can't be with you at all times. And you can't be with me at all times. Nobody knows us like God knows us. For God is all-knowing and always present. This all-knowing, always-present God. Let me tell you what he says about David. He said, there goes a man after my own heart. Wow. That amazes me. Think about that. God, knowing everything, looks and says, there he is. That's my man. What a compliment. I don't think we have to look far in the Word of God to find why God would say what he says. Just think about David. David was a brave man, can you say that? Very brave. You remember, he's the one who slew the lion. And he's the one who slew the bear. I don't know if any of you saw it this week, but there was a video came out that was supposedly the longest fight between two grizzly bears that was ever ever recorded. It's about five minutes long of these 2,000 pound animals fighting against one another. When I saw that, and I began studying this message, and I remember how the Bible said that David slew the bear. I thought, man, this dude is brave. I mean, you see this big, powerful, amazing animal, and it was David, as a shepherd boy, who slew that, who killed that bear. Just, just like what I was watching on the phone screen. Not only did they say he slew the bear, but he also slew a lion. He killed a lion. He was a lion killer. He was a bear killer. When the lion came after the sheep, he killed the lion. When the bear came after the sheep, he killed the bear. And then the Bible tells us that it was David who stood up against Goliath, the giant, and killed him also. David was a man's man. David was a brave man. Tell him. Not only was David a brave man, you know David was a talented man. You know that David wrote the worship book for the Old Testament, the book of Psalms? mostly what was written in the book of Psalms was written by King David. And King David was actually the the Chris Tomlin of his day. He wrote the worship music for God's people. Talented. Played the harp. Sang the songs. Not only was David, listen to me, very brave and very talented, he was also a great administrator. He was the greatest king that the nation of Israel ever had. They were more prosperous under the reign of King David than anybody else. So much so that God said, The kingdom will never leave your house, David. It's through your lineage that the kingdom will last forever. And we know that speaking of the Lord Jesus. That's how much God thought of David. He was a great king. He was a theologian. He was a poet. How do you know he was extremely humble? Having all of these great characteristics, being this great well-rounded man, he was still a very, very humble man. Let me tell you how I know that. The Bible teaches in the book of uh, 2 Samuel that after David was anointed king at his father's house, he remained, listen to me now, at his father's house tending sheep and did not go and take his rightful place as king at that time. Let me tell you why he did that. He had every right. To go at that moment and ascend the throne. He didn't do it because he was humble. He didn't do it because he recognized that God still had work to do in the life of Saul. And so David in his humility, even though he had been anointed as king, still tended sheep. It's amazing. He was a very gracious man. There came a time after the David slew Goliath. That the people of Israel actually wrote songs about David, and the the Bible said that they said they would sing that David has, has, has slain his ten thousand, and Saul has slain his thousands. Well, guess what happened? King Saul then at that time got very jealous, and David at the time was actually playing the harp for King Saul there in 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 uh, his court, and Saul picked up a spear and tried to. Uh, 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 impaled David to the wall with it. David dug the spear and ran out the window and was on the run for a long time. And Saul, all that time, tried to kill him. And there came a time when Saul got so close to David, or at least David got so close to Saul, that David was hiding in a cave. And Saul goes into the cave to go to the bathroom. And when he goes into the cave, David actually takes his knife and cuts part of his robe off it was in there that David could have killed Saul, the man that was trying to kill him, but he said, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointing. As a matter of fact, he was so ashamed that he had even cut his robe off that he repented of that. David was a very gracious man. I can certainly see why David would be called the man after God's own heart. If you believe it this morning, say amen. He's one of my favorite men in Scripture. Now let me ask you something. If David can fall, can we not fall as well? If David was in danger of falling, are we not in danger of falling? Let us, none of us, regardless of who we are, get too big for a riches and say that can't happen to me. I'm too strong. I've served the Lord for too long. I know the Bible. I pray every day. Let me tell you something. Listen to me very plainly. Let a man who standeth take heed, lest he fall. There's a danger in falling for all of us. But now listen to me. This didn't just happen overnight. Not only do I want you to see the danger in falling, I want you to see the development of the fall. Look what happens. 1 Samuel chapter, excuse me, 2 Samuel chapter number 11. Let's look at verse number uh, 2 there. Let's just start with verse number 2. Look what it says. Look at verse number 1. We'll go back and and get all this. And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Everybody say, David David, tarried still. That means when it was time for the warrior king to go do what warrior kings do, David stayed at home. Really what happened here is what I'm going to call the sin of idleness. If David became very casual about his faith, David got to the place where he said, you know what, I've served the Lord for a long time and God has blessed me and, and God's done well by me and I think I've done well by the Lord and now I'm just going to kind of put it on cruise control and just get by. Now I'm just going to stay here at home and let everybody else go do what I'm supposed to be doing. He began to be idle. And many times that happens to us in our lives. Many times we we'll say, man, I've served the Lord for this long and I've seen God do this in my life and I'm thankful God has blessed me in this area and I've seen how God has used me greatly and man is going to sit back take it easy and I'm going to let somebody else handle all that. That's what David was doing. He sent Joab but he stayed home. The Bible warns us that we should never eat the bread of idleness. My mama warned me all the time that I was growing up that an idle mind is the what? The devil, Devil's playground. Absolutely. She's right. That's what happened with David. He began, his, his, walk, his walk with the Lord, his faith became very, very casual to him. He said, you know what? I'm just going to set this one out. I'm going to stay here and let everybody else go out and do the work. Let me tell you what I believe. We've probably got some people sitting in this church this morning or people listening online this morning and they say, well, I used to be a Sunday school teacher who taught the Word of God or I used to be a soul winner or I used to be a prayer warrior or I used to be a pastor. Let me tell you something. Listen to me now. Regardless of what you have done, regardless of the victories in the past, none of us as the children of God are to retire in our service from the Lord. For the Lord. Amen? Amen? As long as you still have a breath in your lungs, as long as you are still walking upright, I can promise you God has purpose for you. And you're missing out on God's best in your life because you choose to sit idly by and not serve the Lord like He's called you to serve Him. And it's dangerous to do that. We'll see it in just a moment. David, first of all, committed the sin of idleness. He became very casual. About his faith. Folks don't do it. The Bible says that we are not to get weary in well doing. Now I want to tell you something. Sometimes I feel as though I don't know if I'm washing or hanging out. When you've got when you've got a full-time job and you've got a family and, and then you pastor a church, it seems like things never end. And I can promise you there are times when I get tired in. The work of the Lord. I do. But I can honestly say this. I don't get tired of the work of the Lord. We will get tired in it. But we must not get tired of it. Because folks we realize. That what God does in us and through us. Listen. Can and will impact this world. For all eternity. We can truly make a difference. By and through the power of God. That works on us, in us and through us. But we can't do it in a backslidden state. We can't do it sitting idly, just like David was. We've got to be about the business of the Lord. Let me give you a great verse for that. It comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter number 24, and verse number 33. Brother, if you will put that up. Proverbs 24, verse 33. Watch what it says. You have a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Go to the next verse. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. So what he's saying is, you can't just sit idly by. You can't fold your hands and sleep and expect to get anything done. we got a whole lot of sleepy saints sitting on church pews every Sunday, forgetting about the purpose and plan God has for them because they become idle. It's been my experience that usually about 15% of the people would do 100% of the work. Now praise God for the 15 people who have a servant's heart. Praise God for those who are willing to serve. But I'm going to tell you something. If you are born again, if you are part of the family of God, God has a purpose for you. God has ministry for you. God wants you to be about his business. Don't eat the bread of idleness. Not only did David commit the sin of idleness, he became very casual in his faith, but he also committed the sin of carelessness. Look look what it says there in the the second verse. And it came to pass in an evening time that David arose from off his bed. Now, you remember the verse that is read to you in the book of Proverbs. What did it say? A man that uh, folds his hands and sleeps um, will will come to come to loss. What David, the Bible said, he didn't get up until the evening time. That means he'd been laid up in the bed all day long, letting other people do what he should have been doing. And then when he finally did get up, look what happens. Watch this. And he walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Let me say something to you. We all can and will see things with our eyes that are pleasing to our flesh. And when we see those things, we can and many times are tempted. We can be, many times are tempted by them. How many of you know, though, it's not a sin to be tempted? Right here in verse 2, David hadn't sinned yet. He had no control of what he saw when he walked up on his roof, he just saw it. See, the first look was not a sin. But in that second look, that's what got him in trouble. When he allowed this temptation to overcome him, I love Dr. David Jeremiah. He said it like this. He said, we can't keep some of the thoughts that sometimes enter our head, out of our head, any more than we can keep the birds from flying around our head. He said, but i tell you what we can do. We can keep those birds from making a nest in our hair. And he's right. See, what David saw, that was not a sin when he saw it. He couldn't help that. He just walked up on his roof saw what he saw. The second look became the sin. And he became very careless about what he was supposed to be doing. He was careless with his ministry. He was careless with his life. He was careless with his walk with the Lord. I don't even say, well, Brother Israel, it don't matter what to look at. And some of us will look at things on that cell phone that we wouldn't look at them if Jesus was sitting right next to us, would Would we? And we might look at things on the television screen, but would you look at it if Jesus was sitting right next to you? But now you've got to remember, the Bible says He is omnipresent. He is sitting right next to you. He's right here with you now. But He's going to be with you at home this evening too. Amen? He's going to be with you at work tomorrow, school tomorrow. He's going to be with you wherever you are. So let's not get careless on what we allow into the eye gate or the ear gate. Because it will affect you. The book of Proverbs says this. It says, can a man take fire into his bosom and not be burned? Proverbs 6.27. Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it comes the issues of life. What you see, what you hear, will affect you greatly. If that were not true, then these companies would not spend millions upon millions of dollars for a 30-second spot on a Super Bowl way. Why do they do that? they know what goes in through that eye gate affects you. They know what goes in through that ear gate will affect you. And so don't be careless on what you let your eyes look at and your ears hear. Can you say amen? David got careless. He got casual. But let me tell you something else he did. Look at this further development of his fall. Then he got very compulsive. Now, what I mean by that? A compulsive man makes a decision right then without thinking about it. Now, I'll bet that if you would have asked David two days prior to this meeting of Bathsheba, if he was going to do what he would later do, he would have said there'd been no way. He'd have said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. God wouldn't be pleased with that. But in that moment, out of compulsiveness, he made a decision that cost him for the rest of his life. Sometimes we do the same thing, don't we? I remember one time, man, I was probably 19, 20 years old, and there was a good friend of mine who had a 71 international scout. Anybody know what an international scout is? Some of you have probably seen it. And I saw that thing had big 36-inch tires on it. And I could just see myself playing in the mud in that big old scout. And through compulsiveness, when I saw it, and he made a price to me, I went right into the bank and got the money and come back and paid it for it. Let me tell you something. You ever heard of buyer's remorse? About four hours later, me and my little brother were sitting in a mud hole and I had tore the gear shift off in my hand. Out in the middle of nowhere, with no way of getting home. And when I got it home, have you ever tried to find a transmission for a 71 international scout? What I'm saying is, sometimes when we make these decisions without, without thinking, without planning, without Listen, wondering what God thinks about it without praying about what God thinks about it. Well, folks, we'll make decisions that will certainly hinder us and hurt others. That's what happened with David. He got casual. He got careless. He made a compulsive decision. Not only did it cost him, it cost a whole lot of people. Only I want you to see that, but also, watch what happens next. Watch what he does. This amazes me. Verse three. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, "Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite?" And David sent the messengers and took her, and, and took and took her. And do you see it? Now I don't know whether or not he had to take her. Whether or not she went against her will. But I do know this. The Bible says he took her. And the truth is. If the king says you've got to come. Then you've got to come. Regardless of whether she wanted to or not. He committed adultery with another man's wife. And then if you go on and read, you're going to find that he found out, like we read a moment ago in verse 5, that Bathsheba was pregnant. And to cover all this up, because he knew he was caught up with, let me tell you what he did. He called uh, Uriah, who was one of his soldiers in his army, back home so that Uriah might spend some time with his wife so that it would look like Bathsheba and Uriah were having a baby. But Uriah, being an honorable man, said, there's no way I can go in and enjoy time with my wife when my brothers are in the field still fighting this battle and they're not getting to spend time with their wife. So I'm going to sleep right here on the king's doorstep. And that's what he did. So David knew he couldn't treat Uriah. He couldn't cover it up that way, so guess what he does then? He he sends a letter back to his commanding general, Joab. And he says to Joab, I want you to put Uriah the Hittite out on the front lines of the battle. And then when you get him out on the front lines of the battle, I want you to let him fight and let all the other men retreat from him so that you leave him there by himself. And when that happened, Uriah was killed. Is this the same David? Who God calls the man after his own heart? Is this the same David who wrote in the book of Psalms? Let me give it to you. Psalm, verse number, excuse me, Psalm 102. If you will, brother, put, go there with me. Excuse me, Psalm 100, verse 1. Look what the Bible tells us. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Watch what it says now. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know you that the Lord he is God, it is he that made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. This is a psalm that David himself wrote. Is this the same David who did what we're reading about in 2nd, 2nd, Yes. Why? How? He got casual. He got careless. He made a quick decision that he really didn't think about, pray about. And he became very callous to cover it all up, didn't he? Not only did he commit adultery with another man's wife, have the man killed to cover it all up, he lived about it. He lived with it being covered for over a year. That brings me to my third point. Not only do I want you to see the danger of falling and the development of a fall, but I also want you to see the damage of a fall. How it damages you and damages others. David wrote. Psalm 32, after the year he spent hiding the truth about Bathsheba and Uriah. Proverbs 28, 13 says something that we all need to take note of, that we must remember. Look what it tells us. This convicted my heart when I read it. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper But whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Everybody see it? J. Vernon McGee says, when you cover your sin, you are cursed. When you uncover it and confess it, you are blessed. This is the good part. When you uncover it, God will cover it by His mercy and grace. true. It was true for David. It's true for us. Look what he says in Psalm 32. Psalm 32, verse number 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. David is now. Come to the place where he got right with the Lord, where he confessed his sin. He said, okay, God, I'm tired of covering all this up. I'm tired of hiding from you and hiding from everybody else. I'm tired of doing what I'm doing, of, of walking in the way that I'm walking, and now I confess it all. And he said, bliss is he who's transgression. Is forgiven. Let me tell you something. No matter where you are today, in your fallen state, if you're here this morning in a backslidden condition, you know you've been born again, but you know you're not right with God. You know there are things in your life that are not pleasing to the Lord that is hindering your walk with Him. Let me tell you something. Confess it to the Lord and the Bible says you can again be blessed. David said, blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Let's go on, verse number two. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no God. How do y'all know what God is? David had spent the last year covering up his sin, hiding from people, and trying to hide from God. Living a life of hypocrisy. That's God. He felt that on the inside. Saying one thing, doing another. Speaking all this great truth that he wrote in the Psalms, but covering up sin that he knew displeased God. Don Smith one of my teachers over at the Bible Institute, he always said this he said, there's a measure of hypocrisy in every message we preach when he said that it kind of aggravated me, irritated me a little bit, and then after I thought about it he's exactly right he's exactly right I am so very thankful that whether you are a preacher in the pulpit or a person in the pew, when you up- uncover your sin and confess it, God forgives it. And you can be free of God knowing you're right with the Lord. How many this morning are thankful for the grace of God? This morning I'm thankful with the conviction power, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. For God's mercy, it's new for us every morning. Look what else he says right here. Look at the verse 3. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Verse 4. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Now what is, what is David saying? Day and night there was a great heaviness on I can promise you anytime you cover your sin as a child of God, explain your sin, justify your sin, live in your sin as a child of God, there's going to be a great heaviness upon you. David said, you've changed my moisture. Into the drought of summer. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the shedding of the tears. That was happening because of a heaviness. Some of you right now may be experiencing that very thing. I've been there. If we're honest, we've probably all been there. Don't cover your sin. Uncover it so God can cover it. who cover their sin will be cursed. Those who uncover it, confess it to the Lord. Just like David says, it'll be blessed. Now let me tell you what happened throughout David's family. For the rest of David's life, this affected his family greatly. All because he got casual, careless, compulsive, and callous. David failed and it cost him and his family a great deal. It cost him and the nation of Israel a great deal. Let me encourage you this morning. Don't keep covering your sin. Confess it. Don't justify it. Confession is about us saying to God, God, you're wrong or you're right. I've been wrong. And Lord, I confess my wrong to you. I need help right here. I'm struggling right here. And I can promise you, God is willing and able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. He can help you through. He'll forgive you. He'll bring peace where there was guile. Amen? Everybody stand together this morning. I don't know today what God has spoken to your heart. I do want to encourage you to do this. Be submissive to His will. Listen, if you're here today and you've not yet been born again, today's the day of salvation. I would love to share with you in the Word of God what that means. Won't you come? This invitation is for you. I'm inviting you to come trust in Jesus as your Savior. Some of you are thankful, brother, I just don't really know if I've been saved or not. Let me tell you something. Today you can leave here knowing that you know you trusted in Christ by faith. Quit playing games with the Lord, man. Just get real with Him. Today, you can know beyond the shadow of any doubt that you trusted in Jesus. Won't you come? Won't you come? Let me tell you what I want. As a child of God, I want to be a husband. Listen to I know I'll never be a perfect husband Because I'm still dealing with this sinful nature and I'm still dealing with the world that I live in I'll never be a perfect husband but I believe I can be a great husband By and through the power of the Holy Spirit And I want to be a great father And I know I'll never be a perfect father As long as I'm dealing with this sinful nature In this fallen world But I believe i can be a great father By the power of the Holy Spirit and I'll be a great pastor. I'll be a great soul winner. I'll be a great preacher. And I know I'm going to be perfect in any of those things while I'm still struggling with this sinful flesh and while I'm still living in a fallen world. But I'll tell you this, I believe I can be great in all those things by and through the power of God the Holy Spirit. But I cannot realize, and you, child of God, cannot realize the power of the Holy Spirit and His fullness in your life if you've got unconfessed sin because of a backslid condition. I guess what I'm trying to say is, if we fall down, don't stay there. Get up. Get up by the grace of God. And the same God who forgave David and worked in his life can and will forgive you and work in your life. But you need to make that decision, just like David did. I have to make that decision, just like David did. This invitation is for you.